Hello. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. All right. So let me go ahead and start off with welcome everybody to Anthony's Godly Guidance. Um, this is a this is a surprise. I guess I shouldn't say surprise episode. This is just a, a episode that's taking a break from um, the series on reaping and sowing. But realistically, this interview goes good hand in hand with one of the episodes I had, which is why I asked my brother Spencer if he would uh, go on and do this interview. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Spencer. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Busy day, but doing good. Good. So I guess I'll start off asking people, asking, like, what, what do you do for a living? What is your occupation? My occupation is I am a business owner of um, clinics and medical spas and a um, thriving clothing clothing brand. So busy is what I hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Busy. Extremely busy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, then I, again, appreciate you taking the time to, to do this. Um, so obviously being that this is on Anthony's Godly Guidance, there's a, there's a spiritual aspect to it. So um, I guess my, I ask you, what is your relationship with the Lord? Uh, my relationship with the Lord is that he is my Lord and savior. He's my foundation to my entire life, as well as my business, as well as become being a better father and definitely a servant in the church today and the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. That's good to hear. Um, I, I, yeah, it's good to hear because, you know, oftentimes uh, people disassociate business owners from Christianity, which is not fair at all, but that seems to happen. So it's good to hear that. Um, uh, another question I have for you is, what is one thing in the scriptures you feel has stuck with you through your walk? Um. Well, obviously, there's several, um, but the one thing that's kind of maintained my focus, or I should say it all maintains my focus, but scripture definitely in the, in the side of giving and being obedient in giving has been a huge influence in my walk. Um, it's uh, definitely reaped the benefits, you know, of my business thriving, um, turning over my business to God is another way that I've actually given back to God just to show him that he's in control. So that has been uh, the part of the main focus of, of me developing my, my walk with Christ has been through giving. Okay. So, and uh, I'm sure you got, you kind of addressed this, but I ask it again. Anyway, I ask it in a different way. So how do you feel? How do you personally feel? about it? Um, well, I mean, I'm giving is crucial um, for my life. It's crucial for my livelihood. It's crucial for, um, it's definitely crucial um, for my business. Um, it uh, plays a role in every aspect of my life, whether it's to, um, you know, poor or the not so fortunate, you know, employees, friends. Um, I think it's, I think where it's most crucial for the church and what the church's role is in giving to, you know, for instance, at our church pastor, our, our current leading pastor and why that's important. 
Okay. So then you say it plays heavily into your life. The yes. aspect of giving plays heavily into your life. Okay. And and what about it? What about giving? Um, I just think it it, it provides sorry. a. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it basically provides. Oh, it provides a very good path. Um, just to show that everything I have is God's. Um, most important thing is to know that you just you can't outgive God. How can you outgive the Creator of everything that you own? Um, the other side of it is is, um, you know, if you look at Matthew six twenty one, it talks about. For where your uh, treasure is, so is your heart. Also, I think that's a, a very crucial piece in giving because what happens is is we tend to kind of overlook that role biblically. <clears throat> we serve, we go to church, we do all those things. But when it comes to giving, uh, we tend to be um, not as, I guess, as forthcoming. We tend to definitely want to hide, hide our... Um, hide our I think we hide a lot of our our gifts and our riches that we've received and they forget that we are all doing the things that Christ has called us to do or you know in my case Christ has called me to do this so why not give him back what he has blessed me with so much right on it's interesting because in in the podcast uh, like I said I have a series is reaping and sowing and it has different aspects of reaping and sowing. One of them is money. And in it, I stated that we are taught to tithe because it teaches us to worship God over money. How do you feel about that? Well, that's just it, is that um, as far as giving to God over money, well, that's the problem is that it's really not done in that and that um, aspect, we all would, we all see what's on TV. We all see what's on music videos and we tend to follow the trend instead of following the trend of Christ. I mean, it's, it's pretty distinct. Even if you look at Luke eighteen twelve, they talk about where um, the Pharisees are talking and he says, you know, I fast twice. I, I fast twice a week and I give all of the tithes that I possess. So meaning, what that scripture is basically saying is that if you're going to to fast and you're going to live the law, then you should live the entire law. The problem with a lot of biblical, even, you know, some of our current pastors is they care about the number of, of people that come in and not about their spirituality and their savior and what's the next step. And so to me, if for us to, in order to give and to do, do our part, um, we have to put God first. And in order to do that, you have to be willing to give God everything in order for that to happen. Right. So kind of like the, the, parable, <clears throat> the story of the young rich man that, uh, you know, God is, Jesus is talking to him. He's like, well, just sell all your stuff and come with me. And dude, it's like, ah, no, I'm good on that. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Um, so then, I mean, you've, you've answered this, but, I'm going to ask you again to see if, if, so why do you think it is important, the the giving aspect? I mean, I just think that it, um, there are several reasons why I think so. I think that giving um, actually shows that you're not selfish. And God says that love is selfless. It's a selfless act. 
so in order to give shows a gift of selflessness i also think that in order to you know preserve the church today we have to be able to give to um to our to our church and i think that the problem with most people today is that if you ask them in in a group setting and you say hey do you think you're doing what god has called you to do I, from a, a professional standpoint, and they'll say yes. So with that being said, why is it okay to pay you for your services that you think that God has called you to do, but yet you're not wanting to pay the pastor who's not only entrusted by God to deliver his message, but trusted by God to deliver your salvation? So to me, I think we have so many we have so many wrongs that are occurring right now, the way that we look at church, the way we look at the way we pay our pastors, and why that we need to we need to focus on on those things because it we shouldn't rob our pastors of the ability to take care of them and our and our and their families because you don't go to work as a as a construction worker and you know show up and just get and people say hey thanks for building out my house let me give you a handshake and a hug that's not how it works so i just think that's what's important about giving today so so with that being said do you think that because i i mean i've grown up in the church and i've walked away and i've come back Mm -hmm. and there was always that stigma that and they even do it on movies and shows to this day where the pastor's driving a Mercedes, brand new Mercedes and, you know, and money hungry. Do you think that plays into why people think that way? Or do you think people thinking that way is played into why it's still joked about? Well, I think, yeah, I think there is perception. I mean, you do have the prosperity preacher out there that does, that does do that. But I think there's pastors out there that do deserve the reward. I mean, they would work if you, if you move up in job, Let's say I was talking to you and you were uh, and you started off as a salesman and you're driving a, you know, a, a nice medium sized sedan, whether it be a Toyota or Honda. But then all of a sudden you move into a VP position and they're like, hey, um, I, you know, we, we're going to go ahead and give you an extra, you know, X amount of money per year. Plus, we're going to throw in a car allowance. That car allowance now gives you the chance to advance in, in several things like so it's, you could buy a Mercedes. So why isn't the pastor being able to buy a Mercedes? I don't understand why they should be looked down upon because they have been provided by God the, the ability to do those things. And remember this, a pastor is held way more accountable for, than we are by doing the, being a good steward of the, the tithes and offerings that come in and He's also being directed by God on how to utilize those 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 monies. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, and I, I think one of the issues, and I, I think I should take the time to to address this. I think one of the issues people would have with me doing this or me asking you these questions is because I am staffed at the church, being the youth pastor, being a deacon, they would think that maybe there's some backhand motive for me to interview you and ask you this and I, I, I mean I, I in the in the podcast that I did I preferenced that early on talking about money because I want to I want to point out that as a youth pastor as a deacon I am not in a paid position and this is not me trying to 
get that. This is just me. You know, this is something God put on me to tell. And so I, I thought, what better way than to go to someone like you who's been successful and is not on any board or, or you know what I'm saying, or pastoring, and you feel this passionate about it. So, I, you know, I just, that was not a interview, but I did want to thank you for that, and I wanted to take the time to point that out. Well, let me also clarify this, too. I, I find it absolutely shameful today that everybody says that they trust God fully with their salvation, just not with their finances. <laughs> so, so to me, I think when people try to talk or they try to discredit a pastor or whatever because he wants to, you know, say, hey, I want to be able to provide something for my family that we can live, live on and we can enjoy and we can and I can leave to my children. It's in the Bible. There's many, many, many examples of godly men who have passed down kingdom to kingdom, whether you Daniel or I'm sorry, whether you use David to Solomon and those types of, and that's just an example, but many of those have happened and there's no disgrace in that. And those were godly men. So to me, I think today when we, when we're at, if we're talking at the church and my church in particular, I find it shameful that the staff isn't paid. I find it shameful that the head pastor has to work a separate job and can't focus and deliver the message that he's entitled to do by God because he has to focus on something outside outside the church. With that being said, not saying that he doesn't do an incredible job because I've grown in the church. I've learned a lot from, from my current pastor. But what I'm trying to state simply is how can you ever be effective in, in, a, in any type of a relationship if one foot's out and one foot's in? And yet we hold our pastors accountable for every single thing they do whether it's a marriage, whether it's business, whether it's, <clears throat> whether it's, you know, even pastoring, we hold them very accountable, but yet when it comes time to pay and the accountability swings on to us, we're like, whoa, we need a lot. I don't know. Cause that means that he's trying to get, get over on me or get something on me. And little do we know that you're trusting your pastor with your entire salvation and your walk with Christ. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. <laughs> That's an interesting way to look at it, and I, I agree that many people have that mentality because I I have been that in the past. And I think it's also interesting that to, to kind of piggyback off what you said, that we think that it's okay for – we'll use an athlete. It's okay for an athlete, whether it's a football player, basketball player, whatever, or just entertainment, a comedian – how about we'll use a comedian? We think it's okay for a comedian to stand on stage mm -hmm. and tell jokes mm -hmm. and get paid millions of dollars for that. And no one says that he's taking advantage of people. But if a pastor does the same thing, then all of a sudden he's taking advantage of people. Now, do you think that is, do you think that's to, to throw some biblical, biblical questioning in there? Do you think that is, because people are being seduced by the enemy or do you think that's people's greed or, or how, why do you think that is? I mean, on, honestly, I, I honestly believe it's, it's, it's where we become, it's almost like we become extremely calculated when it comes to giving, like all of a sudden where we would be like, 
if we'd be like, hey, you know, we're at a bar and I drink $7, we'd be like, oh, that's no big deal. But you say, hey, throw in your tithe and offering and that's $20. People are like, man, I don't know. I, I'm going to be missing out. So I'm going to calculate to the 10th percent. Well, then, then at that point, you've become, you've become a calculated giver and that's not a cheerful giver. God has taught us that we need to give at all times, whether it's our clothing, whether it's our money, whether it's our time, whether it's our efforts and to be able to, to build and substantiate the church. I mean, if you go into first Corinthians, um, nine chapter two, Paul talks about it very distinctly. He says, if I am not an apostle to others yet doubt, Doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Basically, what he is saying at that point is that they were they were the the people of of, of Corinth were in that church was questioning the fact that he had never Paul had never seen God until he was and they forget that he was blinded as Saul right. and he did actually see God. So that makes him an apostle. The other thing right. is too is the seal. Like to seals, like when the kings back then they used to seal a letter and that was law. Well, that was his seals. He delivered the word and the salvation of Jesus Christ to the people of Corinth. So there's, and you know, one, let me add one more thing too. He says, um, he talks about um, where he says, he says uh, in chapter First uh, Corinthians chapter nine verse seven, he says. Whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not drink the milk of its flock. So meaning what he's saying there is that all these things that that are done are provided, like they're provided. When you go to war, your guns, your expense, everything's provided. When you plant a vineyard, all the grapes, the stuff that are do wine are provided and then you get to you get to experience that stuff. So when he's talking about this, he's talking about the the us as a church being our pastor teaching us so he should be able to reap the same benefits that we do in our jobs because that's his job is to serve us in the church. All right. Okay. So then I guess again the questions I have, you kind of answer previously, but I, 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 I'll ask this to give another venue because maybe you have a different take on it. And so my next question I ask you is, how do you think about giving when it pertains to the church? When I think it pertains to the church? Yes. Well, I guess like there's different types of giving, but I think you should give. I think you should give in every aspect of your life when it when it pertains to the church. I also think that um, the other side of the coin is is that we don't follow. We all like to follow the word, and we all like to live by faith, and we say like, "Hey, you know, I I love Jesus and do this stuff." But the problem is, what faith do we really live by if we don't give the same way that we say we follow? So, for instance let's just say that everybody will say, God, forgive me of doing all this stuff, but I'm still going to sin and I'm still going to do this. And they're asking God for all these, these forgiveness and all these gifts and all these things, but they're not willing to trust and to have faith in the fact that he is in control of your salvation. He is in control of your finances. And everybody uses Malachi um, 
the Malachi verse um, 3.10 and talks about, you know, how they said to test him. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that that's just a portion of what God is truly saying. He's saying that you can't outgive me, you can't outprovide me. And if you continue to not do the things I ask, then you can never reap the true blessings that I have for you. So if we're not doing stuff within the church and we're not helping grow the church, then how are we ever truly giving to the church? And the way to give that, whether it's finances, time, you know, other ways of other outlets, other vehicles, we need to utilize all these things to make sure our church is thriving because that's just one other way that we continue to serve God. All right. All right. I like that. So then how do you, what do you, how do you feel about when, when we're speaking out, how do you feel like giving pertains when we're talking about outside of the church? Um, Outside the church, I mean, you have, I just believe that you give where God instructs. I also believe that you should always give. I mean, there's always somebody out there that, um, that needs something that needs a hand or, you know, that maybe they just, that little extra thing that you give them may be just one way that they, that you may be able to say, Hey, you know, God instructed me to do this. That may bring them closer to want to come to church. They may be a, a person that's on the fence and then you show up with something that God instructed you to do. And now all of a sudden they're coming to church. They're, they're engaging they're, they're God had used you as a vessel outside the church and provided you with that particular gift, whatever it is. It doesn't, people always think gift is money. I mean, time an ear hanging out with somebody, all those things play a role in giving. And if we're willing to give a, you know, above our schedule and put in time in other places. I think you said this earlier that you are not a paid, a paid staff member. So your, your time and the stuff you do as the, as the youth pastor is all done at your expense. That's giving. There's no, there's your reward is you get to grow God's church. And the thing is, is that we need to recognize as a church as there's value because our children or what's next up in the church. And the further, the further the way the church is going, the further away we need as many children in, in our community to build up these churches because it's, it's sizzling. It's going away. It's not on fire. It's, it, people are, are, you know, tending to want to not do church or use supplemental churches and stuff like that. They're not moving forward in, in the way they should biblically. <laughs> Right. And so I I guess, and this is kind of off a little bit, but I want your opinion on this. Do you think that's because we're seeing um, revelations or Matthew 24 playing out that this is happening? Yeah, but that doesn't, I I do think that, I think there is a huge thing as far as with revelations and stuff, but that still doesn't stop our calling within the church. I mean, Amen. God says that when with one convert or one savior, 99 angels re- rejoice versus someone who's already saved. So to me, we still continue to rejoice in the work of God. We still continue to do the things that God has called us to do. We still continue to, to thrive and make the church better. We still continue to take care of our pastor. Uh, like I said, 
me being in the church and me being and me like not being a member for very long, but me observing and, and getting to know my pastor, I know that he works and has to provide for his family. And then his wife works and has to help provide. And then he comes in and provides for 50, 60 people every Sunday. If that's not giving, I don't know what is because the, the, the gift of the gift of God is free, but you need someone that is appointed by God as an, you know, to deliver it up, you know, with a very good message. So we all follow, remember you have, you have, you could have 50 different people from 50 different walks of life. And he has to bring all that together and deliver the message that God has told him to do. That is worth money. And if that is, and I'm sorry, I just put it point blank. It is worth us being able to provide a living for our pastors and our, and our deacons and our staff members so that we need to grow together as a church. The only way to grow together in the church is to provide outlets for us to be able to do so. Okay. Right on. Um, I have, okay, I'll just go into my next question. Okay, so then how do you think that giving has played out in your life? Um, well, I can tell you right now that um, giving has played out uh, super well in my life um, because God knows that when he gives me something, I'm obedient, and I do exactly what God has instructed me to do biblically and when he tells me. So when he taps me on the shoulder and says, Hey, this guy needs something. And I mean, I can recall a, spe um, a specific instance when I was in church, I watched the guy walk by me twice. God told me. And one day he was like, I mean, he didn't give me just a tap. He was like, you need to go over there and do this. And I've done it ever since. And the thing is, is that <clears throat> those are the types of, that's being obedient. So when you're obedient, God blesses you fully. I mean, if, if we're talking from a financial standpoint, I live extremely well. Um, I can pretty much do what I want. So it's, this is this seeing the acts of what goes on within our church has only caused me to want to step up my game. And it makes me want to work harder like God has called us to do so that we can take care of the people who take care of our salvation. It says to love. Well, you know what? Love is giving and it's part of, it's part of everything in marriage. You don't give, you don't get married and not give love. You don't get married and not give affection. And, and whether it, I translate all that into, to actual money, because the thing is, is that I still love, love the church and I still love what I do there. And I still love the fact that I can go there and be, have my salvation and to me, if that's costing me part of my income to know I'm saved, God has blessed me with the ability to do so and to give above and beyond what he's already asked me to do. All right. So then I guess this last question, well, this, this question I have is connected to that. And it's, would your life be the same if you didn't live out this way? I honestly don't believe so. I don't think that I would be where I am today without God walking next to me. I think I could be in a lot of trouble. I think that I've had instances in my life that God has definitely intervened. I think that I don't think I would be, I don't know what I would honestly be doing because honestly, I wouldn't know my life without Christ. So I can honestly say that 
I don't, I wouldn't even begin to explain something like that because God has been a part of my life. And even when I wasn't there and I was not living the way I should or doing the things I needed to do, God still waited. And he was like, Hey, you know, I'm over here whenever you're ready. I'm going to, you know, you're doing what you're doing. That's fine. But in the end, you're going to realize that's going to dry up. You need to do what I need you to do. And sometimes his calling can be rough. It can bring you to your knees. And I've been brought to my knees and I realize I just don't want to be brought to my knees. Being there once is enough. And so I just continue to serve, to serve God. I just have to make those choices and to do it, do it right. I hear you. All right. This, this is a question I thought of while, uh, while you were talking. And I mean, this is in your opinion, both biblically and just in your opinion, the difference between tithing and giving, what is that to you? Well, tithing is just what's our requirement. Um, and, and God also does say giving, but there's a, there's an additional term that's called alms. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's where we go above and beyond. And so I think that we have to execute everything that's said in the Bible. The, the funny thing is, um, Anthony, is that when you start listening to people talk about, uh, you know, especially about the Bible, um, they definitely like to pick and choose what they like to do. They like to do like a, well, I'm going to skip over this, but I, but I, I'm following the rest of this. I had to skip over this part here about giving because, you know, we, we talk about that all the time, but I'm going to talk over here about this other, this other part, not saying that every part in the Bible is not equal, but why skip over one? If you find one just as important, it's part of your salvation, no matter how you cut it. You can never really truly reap the benefits of of God and, and, and the blessings if you're not a giver. And I'm just a firm believer that without giving, um, and I have a couple of scriptures I can actually talk to see um, that actually pertain to that very subject. I mean, if you go to uh, Matthew 55, he says, as you know, he's talking about. Um, about um, the, you know, about us giving to God and the wisdom of God. And, and they actually say, is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother called Mary? Is this his brothers, James, uh, J- Joseph, Simon, and Judas? So the thing is, is that when they're talking about that, he was still serving in a capacity of, of you know, stewardship. And still God still you know, obviously he was dealing with his own son, but the truth of the matter is, is that he gave his own, his one son to us. I mean, that's what I'm saying. He didn't just say, Hey, this is my, you know, this is my son. I'm taking him up. He gave him to him to, to take all the burdens of our sin. And if that's not the ultimate gift, then you've, you've missed the mark entirely biblically. And what verse was that again? That's, um, that is Matthew thirteen fifty five, and then if he go, and then if you read Mark um, six four it says, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives in his own house. So think about that. You know, like we all, I grew up in Denver, so 
here's where here's where I would have my challenge if I was to become a pastor. People are going to be like, "Hey, man, I remember when you we used to hang out, and do you remember this?" And you, they're quickly to tell you what you used to do. Oh yeah. And I said, and that's the good thing about Christ is that they can't point out a flaw. They can't point out a flaw about Jesus. They can't point out a flaw about our Lord and Savior. And that's what makes it so refreshing to know that God is part of our lives. And the thing is, is that we need to make sure that we always uplift everything that we do with him, whether, you know, like I said, financials are huge for me, Um, your time, your your anything, anything that you can do that's going to show God and your efforts is going to is going to be huge for people that are wondering what the church is about. If they see somebody who says, Hey, I love Jesus. And then they're over there, you know, not doing anything, you know, being, you know, not giving anything really just being cheap. I mean, if we're just using point blank, we're just being cheap. Don't want to be a benefit. Then why would you want to go to that? You see that every day. Right. I mean, you see greed every day. There's greed every day. But if you see someone that's like, Hey, they do something out of the ordinary and they walk up and say, Hey, Anthony, man, I, I, you were on my heart today. Here's this. And someone else sees that. That's like kind of wondering what church is about. They're going to be like, wow. And it, it, it's just a symbolic gesture. It doesn't, it doesn't define the church because Christ defines the church, but it's one of the things that he asks us to do. Right. Well, and I, I, I had two, two little points. I wanted to point out. I, I hear you, and I completely agree with you when it about when, like when Jesus is saying you can do no work in your own home hometown. I, of course, I'm paraphrasing because I, it's funny that you said because you know I grew up around here as well, and it, it is funny that since I've become a youth pastor and a deacon, how quickly people are to bring up. Oh, but you used to. Oh, but you used to. Uh-huh. And, you know, and, and, and that's not necessarily just pe- far removed. It's people in your immediate circumference, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not always, I don't believe it's always malicious, but it all, it happens a lot. You're like, Oh, how are you doing this? But you used to, and my response to them is, well, I used to do a lot of things that I'm not doing now, but you know, how am I ever going to progress forward? If all you trying to do is show me what I used to do wrong. And, and that's that's actually used for a a grace moment to teach grace. Like, thank God that He's not holding me to what I did twenty years ago, because it's funny. The same people who point out what you used to do also are people who want to see grace from you. Exactly. You know, you know. There's like, oh, but but can you forgive me? Like, uh, but you keep telling me what I did twenty years ago. You know, and that's, you know, that's, that's actually one of the segments of my reaping and sowing. I didn't use the word grace, but it's essentially what I was saying is, you know, people were, people want forgiveness, but don't want to give it. Exactly. To go with, you know, people want, there's all kinds of stuff, you know, or to go with what you're talking about. People want, they want help, but they don't want to give help. Yeah. It's interesting how that, how that goes. Well, let and, me, you know, I, no, go ahead, go ahead. Let me just add one more point because that's a valid point. The other thing too is that here's the deal. Like when people try to talk to me about what I did, I was like, well, by the grace of God, I've been able to escape 
all of that nonsense. And if I hadn't, it probably would have brought me down and potentially possibly could have killed me. So in the end, you know what? I have nothing but the grace. And if you're looking to get an extension of that, come to church, you know, come learn about what we do. Come learn about what God does, how he delivers, how he saves. And you can only do that through his word. So the benefit is, is having somebody who's appointed to deliver the word to us is crucial and moving forward in any walk of any place that you're at in your walk with Christ. I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think, and I have one Bible verse that, that I want to read. And I think to go with what you were talking about with greed, how mm-hmm. we see greed all the time and how, you know, we don't need to go into being spiritual to see people being greedy. I think it's this, this, Bible verse that I'm going to read is, is 1 Timothy 6.10 and it's one of the most misquoted Bible verses that I know of and it's for the love of money is the root of all evil and you know which while some covered it after <clears throat> excuse me they have erred in from their faith and pierced themselves through which many sorrows and it's funny because most people say money is the root of all evil and they missed the point. And I think that goes with why people covet. And, and it even says some covet after. You know, people covet their money. Their greed. And it's their love of money. It's their love of mammon. It's like, okay, I hear you telling me I need to give. But I love, I have this love of money and all the things it could do for me. And I don't trust that God will do it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. They don't, they don't. They don't fully trust God with their salvation. In the end, you don't fully trust God with your salvation if you're going to covet money. If you're going to serve money, then serve money. Then, 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 because God isn't going to do the lukewarm. He's not going to say, okay, do serve all my, serve everything else that I ask you to do. But when it comes to giving and providing for the people that I've appointed in your life to see you succeed in my, my word. And to succeed in your salvation, is it just lets you know that 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 they need help, they need guidance. And the thing is, they don't want to look as the pastor, as somebody who's a paid physician. Let me also iterate this, I, and I left this out, and I just and I apologize. But here's 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 really what used to go on in the church. The church was strictly it was a business. It's where you brought. Your monies and, you, and while you were there, the doctor was there, the lawyers were there, the council, and then you had um, and you had uh, those people, and they counseled and they were paid and treated well. So why what happened within the the um, within now and that and then now into that time that all that now the pastor has been the one that's falling off because. We don't want to, we don't think that a pastor's role is to substantiate it as a lawyer or a doctor, but yet in the end, he's delivering God's law and God's healing. So if those two aren't the two lawyers and doctors in your life, then you have a lot, you still have a lot to learn about the word of God. Amen. Well, you know, and to to sum it up, I, I agree with you because We've had secular conversations about this back, um, you know, talking about things like back in the 90s, we used to talk about the love of hip hop all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we would talk about, you know, there's there 
back when Master P was getting big with No Limit and every, you know, making all this money, you had some people who were saying, you know, that were mad at him for making the money and making it about money. And whether you like that form of hip hop or not, that's not my point. And my point isn't to promote listening to it. It's to serve the point of what you're talking about. And one of the things I would say when people would get mad and say, oh, well, he's just in it for the money. And I'd be like, well, but shouldn't he be? I mean, that's this is his livelihood. Well, what's wrong with him being in this for the money? Because you had all these people like, I'll rap for free. I'll, I'll do this for free. I was like, okay, well, then next time you go to work, you work hours. And when you get paid, give me your check. And they'd be like, no, 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 that's not the same. Like, oh, but it is. Yeah. We, we expect, as you're saying, we expect people in pastoral roles to do the work but we also expect them to not reap the benefits of the work they're doing and people are even kind of cynical about it well if you're a man of god god will provide exactly he uses people to provide that exactly church is a non-profit so in the end like how are you supposed to go out i mean the thing is that's what it brings it back to business and that's what i keep trying to stress is that church is still business and I know there are going to be a lot of people who disagree, but it really isn't. I mean, you go there, you sit there, and yeah, it's one day a week. It's not every day. But that one day that you go there and serve in that church, that pastor has been working on. He doesn't just show up and talk for half a day. God delivers the message. God teaches him how to deliver the message. <laughs> he has to run. There's a lot of things that go into that. He has to still serve in the church. He has to provide counseling. He has to provide all kinds of direction within the church. So those aren't just like one, one person jobs. Those are many jobs. And he wears all those hats while delivering the message on Sunday. So that's a full work work. That's a full 40 hour week, maybe more in some cases. Um, so in the end, what where I can constantly see the struggle is, is that people will continue to to downplay the role of the pastor because we've allowed it for so long. And until we until we change it as a church, it's always gonna be there. Right on. Right on. Well man, um I appreciate you taking the time to do this, man. I know you are a busy, busy man. Um I just again for for everybody out there, if you would just introduce yourself and tell you about your business real quick. Um, yeah, my business is um, I provide um, anti-aging for um, really there's no age limit. Um, we help people get healthier. We help them move to a position where they can perform and do things better and longer and still retain their youth and still have fun with their families and continue to enjoy life. And at this particular moment, this is my calling. This is what God has asked me to do, so I continue to serve it. And like I said at the beginning of this message, that these are God's clinics. So we, we serve God here. So without if that includes every and every every aspect. So God gives me the direction and I provide the thing. It's no different than the what he does with the pastor. And and for that being said, I think we need to to elevate our game and start giving properly to our church and definitely to our pastor. Amen. 
Right on. Well, thank you, Spencer. I appreciate it, my man. And uh, uh, you have a blessed day, my man. You too, man. Thank you very much for having me on. All right. All right. Thank you. <laughs>